the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Back at you right here on a little chilly Wednesday morning. It's going to get a little bit better here, uh, and then it's going to get worse, and then tomorrow will be better, and then Friday will be a little worse, and then Saturday and Sunday in the mid-70s, y'all. That is real springtime weather right there. George Brockler filling in for the great Peter Boyles. Uh, Lots going on today. I'll tell you about the show in just a little bit, but as you know, we cannot get going. Just can't leave the shoot until we are caught up on the Thorpe Report, which includes all the K-N-E-W-Z yes. that's not fit to print. <laughs> yeah, Tom just a minute ago reminded me that, you know, not, that I'm not doing actual news. It was nice <laughs> <laughs> We're not doing yeah. actual radio. So, exactly, you're know, just consistent. pretending this morning. Uh, good morning, sir. As you outlined, today we're going to begin to see a warm-up. Plenty of sunshine, going to be windy gusts out there in the northwest, up to 45 miles per hour today. Highs should reach into the mid-50s. Tomorrow, breezy sunshine. Highs getting into the mid-60s. About the same on Friday. The weekend, though, milder. Fair conditions, highs into the low 70s. That is car washing weather. That's fantastic. The Douglas County School Board voted 4-3 to three yesterday night to hire Aaron Kane as the next school district superintendent and hired additional attorneys to represent them as they consider fighting an open meetings lawsuit in which judges already ordered a preliminary injunction. Kane is currently the executive director of schools for the American Academy, and she previously served as the interim superintendent for the district from 2016 to 2018. We're going to check in with the president of the school board here at 9 o'clock. Boom. Table Mesa King Supers was closed yesterday, one year after a gunman took the lives of 10 people up there. There was no memorial set up outside the store. Many people, though, stopped by to pay tribute to the victims, including the survivors who knew people that were shot and killed that day. And there were signs or flowers that were laid on the grass. Hang on, Billy, because this is one you and I talked about off air. This strikes you, this particular case with, and his name, I don't remember. It's not, it doesn't roll off the tongue like Rittenhouse. It's like Ali... Yeah, it's one of the things. I was eerie, or I'm, I'm yeah, screwing it up. It's but. one of the things that Pete talked about a lot, and I and I was had some questions as well as why we don't know more about him. I, I'm not sure I was uh, looking as much of a jihadi reason that Pete was, but I thought it was always very, very strange. We didn't know more about this guy versus something like a Kyle Rittenhouse. Um, there are certain times in which, and I don't know why, we are allowed to know information about these shooters, and there are other times that we don't find out anything. And this one just strikes me as odd. Most importantly, because. The brother we know is being watched by the FBI. We don't know for why or what was going on, and that is unusual. And so what what is the connection or what isn't the connection there? So that's I'm kind of curious about I do think that um, this this one's going to go to trial. I know Pete and a lot of other folks out here at 710 think, hey, the fix is in, and this guy's just going to be kept under the cover of mental illness, and he's never going to see the light of day. I I don't feel that way for a couple of reasons. One, uh, I know the DA. Mike Doherty is a real legit prosecutor who I think wants to bury this guy in prison for the rest of eternity. And the judge, um, Ingrid Bakke, I've actually tried cases with Ingrid. She was a prosecutor back in Jeffco, and in the mid-'90s, we did some trial work together. She's also legit. I mean, she's not one of these people that would bend to some sort of political pressure, and I just don't think the fix is in at all. I think what's going to happen here is this guy's going to be restored to competency within the next couple few months, 
and then we're going to start the process of moving them forward. It's been an unfortunate delay, and it's also been an unfortunate trend. If you remember, too, um, the public defenders who represent this guy also represented the Planned Parenthood killer. Yeah. And that dude still has yet to be brought to trial, too, yeah. because he was found incompetent down there. Um, so mental health is is the thing that's driving this. But um, the other unusual thing, Billy, and you, you may have made note of this when it happened, mm-hmm. no survivors, right? Yeah. Like on the inside of the store, and every mass shooting has dead, that's true, but they always have someone else. I wish, and they can t- nobody survived this. Yeah. Nobody that he shot lived. If they got shot, that's it, it's over. That's really unusual, too. Yeah, it is. And so what kind of planning and, you know, why he drove to that location, all those things are questions that we have. And and I, I just, and this is only my feeling and opinion, I just have this feeling that in a situation like this, I, it's my feeling that the defense is using the mental illness and the incompetency as a cover because they know that if they had to walk into court and defend him as a competent defendant, that they have no case, and it would be incredibly difficult. I think this, for them, is looking at the chessboard. This is the easiest path to, quote, victory, and, and that bothers me. But again, I can be talking out of my rear end. No, I, have, I, I can't no, say that for sure, so I don't he, know. Here's, though, the, the quick thing on the mental illness piece. Yeah. There are two pieces that generally rub up against each other in a Venn diagram kind of Ooh, way. And overlap. sounds sexy. <laughs> and mathematical. I like that. Uh, but at the end of the day, you can be incompetent and yet sane. You can be incompetent and sane, or you can be competent and insane, or you can be both. And so restoring him to competency does not deprive the defense of showing up in court, just like in the Aurora Theater case, and saying, our guy was insane at the time that he did this. And you're right, there are no other cards to play. It yeah. can't be accident. I was cleaning my gun. I was drunk. I was, it was, you know, I was trying to stop a greater evil. I mean, it's insanity is the only card they have to play. And I guarantee you, if they have to go to trial, that's the card they're going to play. Yeah, that's what it feels like. And I'm, I'm curious. I don't want to hear from the audience about where on that Venn diagram I sit because I kind of have an idea. So, <laughs> right. It's an yeah. eclipse. It is. <laughs> oh, Ellsworth prosecutions here in the state. Opening statements began late yesterday afternoon in the trial for the man charged in the connection with the shooting of two people during a protest on I-225 back in July of 2020. Elsewhere, three men are accused of using 15 or more credit card skimming devices in multiple Walmart stores in Colorado, Illinois, Minnesota, and Wisconsin. They use them to steal thousands of credit card, debit card, and gift card numbers. They're overlay skimmers. They mimic credit card machines at point-of-sale devices, and they secretly obtain your card number, what? your account holder name, and your expiration date. You can't date. tell? Um, well, there is a way to tell. I'll tell you how to do oh. it here in a second. Um, they got about 7,800-plus uh, personal credit card Dang. numbers, and they do it through Bluetooth-enabled devices. This is the deal. They have to be inserted over the top of the credit card reader. Every time you are in a store, every time you are getting gas, every time you want to insert your card into the reader, grab the front of it and wiggle it. Give it a because, tug, huh? Yeah, because the device <laughs> will pull out. It seems stupid. It seems ridiculous, but that's what I do. Look, every the twelve-year-old in me finds it yeah. funny that our motto to protect ourselves is "When in doubt, give a tug." Exactly. <laughs> that's exactly what it is, and it seems very, very stupid. But they have to be inserted inside of that device. So if you just reach up, if you're in Walmart, especially the ones, the ones that have a flat opening, are a little bit more difficult to manipulate. Um, but the ones that kind of stick out and have a mouth that you almost have to insert your card into, those are the ones that are most likely to contain those devices. Grab it, wiggle it. If it moves, if it moves anything at all, don't use it.
Just move on. Do you have to stick it in to get the? Yeah. And, and I ask that because you know more and more of these gas pumps have the. Uh, yeah, the tap thing. Yeah, yeah. I don't know what that's called. There's some acronym term for that NFT something. I don't know yeah. what it is. Where you tap it and it goes. Is that? I'm not sure about the fraud? tap ones, but I would guess that if if you can connect the Wi-Fi device to the card reader, if the information has to pass through that card reader, whatever way, the you know skimmer could possibly take that information. I'm not certain of it. I know that you know 99% of them you have to insert the card because it's taking the information off the magnetic strip. It shoots a, it takes a shot of what the uh, you know what your security code is, and then also it takes a shot of your name. So it, it takes all your information. So I know that's how it has well, to I appreciate that heads it. up, man. And yeah. I think we're going to get T-shirts made up that here yeah. at 710, when in doubt, give a tug. Yes, exactly. I think that's good. The motto of George Brockler, when in doubt, give a tug. <laughs> I'm in doubt <laughs> yes. a lot. <laughs> Elsewhere in our city, the Regional Transportation District is going to make a series of changes in response to, quote, unwelcome activity at the Union Station bus concourse and surrounding areas. Now, yesterday they announced that in the next six months they're going to, I don't know, repair the inoperative lighting. Gosh, thanks, guys. They're also going to increase cleaning of the bus concourse, as if, seriously, come on. Up they to this doing, point, yeah. though, they were like, nah, let's nah, Not stay. so much. Maybe it looks like a teenager's room. Uh, pre-recorded audio announcements are going to be broadcast in both English and Spanish, and they will include information on services, fares, and public safety. And they're saying, hopefully this will discourage unwanted activities. Yes, because that's what stopped crime in the past. Large electronic announcements. I'm sure that will work very well. Uh, this is actually pretty smart. The electrical outlets and the walkways are going to be deactivated or covered. That's probably going to help so a, heck of a lot. So you show up to Union Station with your phone fully charged, or you yeah. are SOL. Well, if it's not charged, yeah, if you're empty, you're done. But I think that's good because it's not a station that you know vagrants can come in and use that as a place to gather, etc. It's, it's very smart to not do it there. Um, they also are going to the next 12 months install TV monitors and security camera feeds, which is ridiculously stupid. They don't have that right now. They're also going to put smoke detectors in the restrooms. Why that doesn't exist, I don't understand. They also, the next 12 months, are going to put up a bunch of signs and stickers on the floors and a bunch of stuff that's not going to do anything. But also, most importantly, long-term, they're going to try to cordon off paid fare areas, meaning only people who present the fare are going to have access to certain parts of the bus concourse, so you can't loiter. So we'll see. But I just kind of laugh and Did, go. Is any part of that announcement, and we're also going to send the police in to sweep the homeless out? I don't out? know. I hope so. I, I, I just keep thinking that their, their solution is, you know, okay, why were you not repairing the lights? Why were you not trying to keep the concourse extra clean? Why was that not a goal? Well, and I love that I, they're I just, timing it with the spring. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, and maybe this is part of their sense of uh, – sympathy yeah. for the unhoused I know. whether voluntary or involuntary Just, involuntary that they're going to be like well now it's warmer out maybe they can find a park bench or something yeah, we'll exactly. just get them out of this this hobble here yeah. I, I, i'm intrigued that they don't highlight the fact that we're just not going to let people live in union station or treat it as a drug distribution center i'm hoping so i'm hoping that's the idea is that we're going to again why, why do we not have smoke detectors in the restrooms why why is that not a safety feature uh, and you know they'll be disabled. Think, you, know, you know they'll be disabled. Yeah, they will. But just and, <sighs> and what will happen when they do it? I mean, you know, on a plane, if they tell you, if you disable yeah. the smoke detector in the bathroom, we will throw you out at thirty three thousand yeah, or exactly. whatever it is they say they're going to do. We will wing you out. And remember the Alamo on this thing. I um and also all, the TV monitors, the security cameras. How do we not have security cameras down at Union it, Station? And how, they should have it, but they got to act not, on it. Like, yeah. what are they going to do? Walk up to someone and say, "Hey, can you not shoot yeah, up please, right yeah. here?" Right by now, the Chick Fil A or yeah, whatever it is, it's I, making the kids uncomfortable. Yeah, the kids yeah. can see yeah, you, you know, with the yeah. needle in your arm. Can you please go do it in another another part of the yeah, Union Station? Yeah, 
Uh, because other, we care about you. Yeah. You heard probably Mayor Hancock had made some comments that people are interpreting him saying because people aren't coming to Denver as tourists, crime is rising. You know, there's more lawlessness because yeah. we don't have more tourism or we don't have more people yeah, coming down to Denver. Because yeah, the one thing that always stops crime is tourism. I, I know that for certain. We That I, has been a truism for out society. It, more tourism, yeah, less I, crime. I don't want to suggest what? it's a chicken and the egg argument because it is straight up crime drives away people coming to Denver. It's not yes, Denver exactly. stopped having people in it and then crime showed up. It's not exactly. It's not like that. The crime really pushes out good people. And I will tell you, I've been to Denver since. We went to uh, some Denver Center for Performing Arts play. Yeah. And um, so we've been down there. But I don't think about going to Denver nearly as much as I did before. I used to think the worst thing about Denver was getting there. And then once you were there and you parked for $8 trillion, oh, yeah. if you can oh, find yeah. a space, it was a great place to go. Lots of places to go grab a drink or dinner or be entertained. Now, I don't even think about it. I think about what's near me because I, I, I just don't want to have to confront all of that lawlessness and just the... There's so many hurdles um, for someone that is a suburban liver to, living uh, to get downtown. Um, the commute is a pain in the rear end based on traffic. Then finding a place to park, the amount that it costs to park. And then you have to navigate the streets with you know possible vagrants and crime and God knows what else. It, it is... A, Billy, within a the, within the last year, they had to flush Civic Center Park. I mean, they had turned Civic Center Park yeah. into a human toilet uh, with feces and needles. Yeah. And, and, all. and I love how they said, well, it's because of the rats. Why do you think the rats? Yeah, the, the rats place? don't. Again, the <laughs> yeah. rats don't show up first. <laughs> exactly. And then the needles and the yeah. feces. Yeah. And the, the rats the don't show up carrying to... backpacks of human feces and needles. No, no, no. They show up afterwards. They, yeah, they come I, because I, of it. I grew up um, in Lakewood. So we, I, my yeah. parents worked in Denver. I love the Queen City. Man, I do. I just to see it in this condition right now. And then all of its fierce defenders who, if you're a fierce defender of Denver, you ought to be demanding change. Instead, you get these folks, some of whom are on TV who want to tell you, but there's all this good stuff going on, and there's good. It's like, don't, don't look past the garbage that's piling up in the middle of our capital city yeah. here. Let's clean that up, invite everybody back, and we'll celebrate in a needle-free, feces-free environment. Yeah. Is, that, is that too high of a bar to set? Yeah, exactly. It's like, can, can we stop the crime things and clean up the streets and just make it so that it's okay and, and the tourists will return when they don't feel uncomfortable walking around the streets of downtown Denver? That, that's and how it works. When did it become inconsistent? To enforcing the law that you had to, I mean, yeah. to be sympathetic to the homeless, you had to stop enforcing the law. Yeah. Can't those two things coexist? And somehow Absolutely. we're at a place now where, and I get it, for the people on city council in Denver, and there are some who do not believe in private property ownership, this is just what life should be like, right? Like we're going yeah. too far to protect property. Yeah, and unfortunately there are some uh, liberal leaders of the city that believe that when you enforce the law, that it is inherently biased, that it is inherently bad. So if you do it, if you have the police interacting with the homeless, it is inherently a bad situation to begin with, and that's a problem. It's yeah, a real look, problem. I can't think of a city off the top of my head that we've heard about, certainly none in Colorado, where the the government has created a more permissive environment for the homeless and things have improved. Uh, yeah, I excellent. Mean, it yeah, certainly didn't work for Seattle. Not working for San Francisco. My God, the mayor in San Francisco has come out and done a 180. She sounds like a Republican. Yeah, she does uh, on the issues of crime. And here in Denver, I think Mayor Hancock is fed up. I think we're going to start prediction. I think we're going to hear more from Mayor Hancock in the next few weeks and months 
about the failures of the state legislature to address lawlessness and crime and creating an environment where it becomes more difficult to manage a giant city. Um, And I wish we had heard this a couple terms ago, but I get it. He's on his way out the door, and this is a chance to flex without repercussion. And uh, I hope he does it, and I hope it makes a difference. We have yet, Billy, we have yet to see the legislature drop a bill about fentanyl about bringing fentanyl back up to felony-level standards, despite the fact that the governor highlighted it as his only criminal justice, I guess, effort in in this year's administration. The only thing he highlighted was we need to be tougher on people that deal fentanyl, and we are months removed from that speech and crickets from the legislature. Crickets. What I really want to know from the legislators is who's – Pro fentanyl in this point. Who who is the advocate saying that these people should be allowed to have this much fentanyl? That it should be decriminalized? And who is the person or people that are raising their hand and are advocating that this is okay? Now we can, you know, again, this is part of the problem with those one size fit all rules, and that's how we got into this is because they didn't want to compartmentalize fentanyl versus some other narcotics. It's okay to do that. I'm just real curious. And I think that if the GOP was smart, this would be something they would start to beat the drum on right now and sit there and say, why is it taking so long? This is something our community needs right now. This is something that can help the average Denver citizen right now. And look at the Democrats in charge who have X, Y, and Z as their priorities, not doing something that can impact your life today. And I think that is a stronger message for the GOP is looking at at the idea of the Democrats when they've been in charge. They're doing all these social engineering and community planning initiatives rather than dealing with those kitchen table issues that everybody does. Uh, Everybody in Colorado, in one way or another, has been touched by drug addiction. It doesn't have to be in your family, but you know somebody, you have a relative that knows somebody, you've been touched by it. Use this as the political tool it can be. Point out that the Democrats don't want to make this simple change. It's not a difficult one. If they wanted to do it, we could accomplish it in 24 hours. Well, we could certainly make a big difference in it. I, yeah. I, I'll say this. I don't think anybody's championing people having fentanyl. I think that they're, the real struggle right now in the Democrat Party, and they're in charge of the legislature and every every lever of state government at this point, is that they're, they are consumed and driven by such an extreme part of their wing on these social justice issues that encompass – everything related to crime and and law enforcement. And so they're now internally struggling with how can we look tough on crime without being tough on criminals? And so they're struggling here to say, well, we don't want to reduce the weight too much because what if you catch fill in the blank minority with a single pill that has fentanyl in it? We don't want that person accused of a felony. And so they're struggling with a way to say, we want to be able to talk about something before November about how we're addressing the fentanyl crisis Without actually doing something, I'll give you an example. I printed yeah. off this morning a special brief that was just released by the Colorado Criminal Justice Reform Coalition. Wow. And they've titled it Fentanyl in Colorado, Overview and Recommendations for Addressing the Overdose Crisis. So now they've conceded there's okay. an overdose yeah. crisis. It's good. In this document, not only is there not a single reference to increasing any sort of criminal justice or law enforcement approach to this thing, but they go there out of their way to address the fact, and I think they think this is coming, that a new law that would punish drug-induced homicide based on fentanyl, that will not help. 
And so they're in essence, their answer to this entire thing is we're going to rehab our way out of this fentanyl crisis. And I don't believe that. I don't believe we can arrest our way out of the fentanyl crisis. No. But this is crack smoke crazy. Yeah, it is. And then the reason and I know that the there aren't Democrats that are pro fentanyl, but I think that's how you message it. Because if you're not willing to change the law, I think you can message it as saying, well, they're okay with this. They're pro this action. It's just a it's just a messaging ploy. Is it a little bit intellectually dishonest? Yeah, maybe. But I think it would be a very, very powerful message for the GOP. I think it's good. I do think that the Republicans are continuing to beat the law enforcement drum and the criminal justice drum hard against the Dems, and they feel it. I mean, that's why they're even talking about increasing the penalties for anything. The, the, the last few cycles, the last few sessions, they have been loath to do anything other than um, hug bad guys and make it yeah. easier and, and blame everything else. I think the other thing that you're starting to see is when you see the attorney general start to come out strong for increasing penalties, this attorney general, oh yeah, you know they've gotten some polling. That yeah. polling ain't very good for the attorney general. Yeah, and it um, says it's his crime is a real concern. Yeah, crime is a real concern. And now it's this whole, you know, they, they hug each other with Phil's doing such a great job taking the lead on this increasing the. Fa-. It's like, whoa, whoa, hang on. One, not the lead. Two, where yeah. were you in 2019 when it was reduced to a misdemeanor? And three, you have proposed zero, buddy, by way of an enforceable crime that would make a difference, like you said, Billy, immediately. There are steps we can take. They're just not being taken. And I will bet you if we see a bill drop, it'll either be, I'm guessing, today or tomorrow. I will analyze that bill for us on the air here. My guess is it will be wholly ineffective towards addressing anything. But you will see the Democrats rush to the microphones to say, we're going to crush everybody who we can prove gave fentanyl to someone that led to their death. That will result in maybe one case every couple years. That's it. It won't have any impact on fentanyl. It's an emotional argument, but it's not an effective one. It's not going to tramp down what's going on. Uh, Now let's step in internationally and run through the rest of the news real quickly. The... uh, Oh, not the news. Sorry, the Thorpe Report. It's not real news. This is not. Yeah, don't don't take this as news. K-N-E-W-Z. Uh, with, yes, with with Europe facing its most precarious future since World War II, Joe Biden is starting a four day trip and is going to huddle with allies in Brussels and Warsaw as leaders try to prevent Russia's war in Ukraine from expanding. But in Russia, the slow going and the heavy toll of President Vladimir Putin's war. Hey, the phone's ringing. Um, in Ukraine, are setting off questions. Uh, about his military planning capability and his confidence in his top spies and loyal defense ministers and the quality of the intelligence. It's also showing the pitfalls of Mr. Putin's top-down governance in which officials and military officers have the leeway to make their own real-time decisions. That, that is historic Soviet thought process yeah. on the military, and it is completely counter to what Americans do. For American military, our goal is when somebody higher up the chain goes down, there's somebody below them who knows their job and can pick up the rifle and move forward. For the Russians, it's we don't want anybody to know anything more than what they need to complete their current task because we're paranoid that they could then make decisions on their own. One other fascinating fact that I heard this morning was that uh, the Russians have already lost more folks on the battlefield than America lost in Iraq and Afghanistan combined over 20 years. That is crazy. That's amazing. That's an amazing loss of life. Um, doesn't surprise me, given the reports that we've had, and I'll get you on that understandingwar.com thing. 
But uh, And by the way, that website that I've been recommending to you, yeah. I've now heard it quoted on Wall Street Journal, Fox News. I mean, hey. this is the place to go for some good information. Sorry to interrupt. Look at the big brain on George. It's <laughs> nice. A, a, a large and extremely dangerous tornado tore through parts of New Orleans in the suburbs yesterday night, uh, flipping cars, ripping roofs off homes, and killing at least one person. There were parts of St. Bernard Parish, which borders New Orleans to the southeast, appear to take the brunt of the weather's fury, and that's where the fatality occurred. We'll find out more this morning. Supreme Court nominee Katanji Brown-Jackson forcefully defended her record as a judge yesterday pushing back against assertions that she was soft on crime and declaring that she would rule as a, quote, independent jurist if confirmed as the first black woman on the high court. Los Angeles yesterday became the first major U.S. city to reach an average gas price of $6 or more a gallon. That's according to fuel-saving platform Gas Buddy, reported the national average gas price the U.S. is beginning to decline since its peak of four thirty-five a gallon on March 10th. But yeah, $6 a gallon in L.A. But they kind of deserve it. I d- yeah, I, I'm not sure why or how they retain people, how they attract yeah, people I don't to either. come. I get it. The beach is awesome. The climate's pretty good. Yeah, but when it takes you're you three there, hours to go anywhere. Dude, check out I-5, the I-5 that runs up and down uh, California, and, and especially through San Diego and San Clemente, where I've spent a lot of time. That's where the in-laws yeah. are. Um, there are times of day where you just have to say, if I can't walk there, I can't get there, because yeah. it's a parking lot. It is a parking lot, and you've got... Over 40,000 homeless inside the city and, and growing. Yeah, so it's a mess. That's its I, own I don't city. Yeah. 40,000. Oh. I just don't understand. Ugh. Elsewhere, a new report finds that on average, one in three U.S. workers is still making less than $15 an hour, while the share of women and people of color earning that amount is even greater. Nearly 52 million U.S. workers, or 32% of our country's workforce, earn less than $15 an hour. That's according to a report published yesterday by Oxfam America. The data will quantify how Americans could be impacted by the Raised Minimum Wage Act, which would set a $15 federal hourly minimum wage. Uh, It's been pending in Congress since January of 2021. Looking at the numbers, women and people of color are more likely than white male counterparts to be lower earners. Uh, About 25% of white men earn less than $15 an hour, 40% of women, and half of working women of color reported the same. Just for a, you know, kind of a a budget check, a 40-hour work week at $15 an hour is $600 gross, take-home pay of $530 a week. That's about $31,000 a year before taxes. That's radio pay. Yep, $27,000 a year, roughly, based on estimates, after taxes. Imagine $27,000 a year trying to live on that in just Denver alone. I can't can't picture existing on that. But my guess is, too... That uh, a fifteen dollar an hour job should not be a career job, right? Like if that's not an entry level something that gets you on the road to either a different employer with different benefits or a better job within that system. I mean, I know the In and Out guys. A, a friend of ours, her her oldest son was working at In and Out. I think that guy left at like nineteen or twenty bucks an hour, and he was still in high school. So. Yeah. Those jobs are out there. I, I just don't get, and I don't understand the disparity. I don't understand the racial, yeah, understand I don't the racial and gender and disparity. The other thing that I think is always left out of this conversation is looking at if we're paying people at the $15 an hour or lower wage bracket, what sort of federal assistance do they need in order to to keep their lives going? Um, what is their rent support? What support do they have for child care? What support do they have for medical care? What support do they have for for um, for food? Because I don't believe that we as U.S. taxpayers should be subsidizing a business's low wage. That's not our responsibility as taxpayers. I have an issue with that. So how do we do it? We raise the minimum wage. That's part of it. Yeah, and but- make sure it's a living wage. 
Yeah, but then you and I are subsidizing it because when, as you know, that that cost of labor isn't something that the employer says, well, it just went up. I guess I'll just swallow it out of my thin profits to begin with. They're going to say, you know who that who's going to pay for that? Yeah. You and me, buddy. Yep. When, we, when we go to buy a yep. burger, fill Absolutely. up some gas, whatever. And I, and I think that if I go to the restaurant and choose to spend my money there, I go to the big box store, I go to the auto dealership, I go wherever it is that I'm going to do business, I am there to give them money and support their business model, their people. And that money should be reflected in the wages for the employees. What I don't have, what I'm not okay with, is the idea that an employer will pay something so low that as a community, we have to make up the difference. I don't think that if if I choose not to go to that restaurant with low wages, I don't think that my taxes should have to subsidize the fact that they're not paying their workers enough. If I want to make the choice to go to that restaurant and I have to pay more for that for that burger, that's my choice. And that's okay. Now I'm supporting those wages and that business's choice. I have an issue with businesses taking advantage of our social network systems in order to ensure they pay low wages. Maybe we ought to address what we do for the social system. I, I would look at percentages. I mean, if if a certain percentage of your workforce receives this type of federal support, then you need to be fined or something. There has to be a change. Oh, there should the, be a penalty. I just hate involving the government I know. any more than the oh, are in business yeah. because the government is dumb. Oh, yeah. The government's dumb. But I mean, for every yeah. one good thing they do, and there are good things they do, there are three others that just flat out suck, are ineffective, or actually hurt what they're trying to help. I mean, Government is just dumb. It's yeah. just not dumb. I mean, it's not smart. It does not make decisions based on what's best for the community or what's best. Yeah. It, it it's had, slow to react. It's slow oh to understand. God. Yeah, there's so many problems with and it. It's, so and it's, it's not. It's not a great. It's, it's not a great filled solution. With people but yeah. who lack the humility to come to a problem with, maybe we don't have a role here. I mean, there are yeah, problems they'll invent to try to solve. Them. Oh, absolutely. So that's just you know. I think there should be an issue that uh, you know if a business is paying enough where their workers have to get governmental support. There's an issue with what they're paying, and we should resolve that. Maybe what we do is we, if this is the social justice uh, part of this thing coming out in some ways, maybe the trend that we encourage is that businesses should post on their front door somewhere, this is our minimum wage. And yeah. you can say, well, I'm not going to a place that pays $12 an hour, you know, and, and that's the way you vote with your feet. And then someone that says, hey, I'm paying 17 bucks an hour, and you go in there and you have the higher-priced food, you can feel like, I know where this is going. Maybe yeah. that's the way I to like do it. I like that. The problem, though, is if that business is paying $12 an hour, I still have to subsidize those federal systems those employees are accessing. Yeah, I don't but, have a choice at that but point. But maybe that bu- business doesn't thrive. If more Billy Thorpe-like-minded people stop going to that business, yeah, they either increase their minimum wage. There's no way wage. that's happening because <laughs> I'm a lunatic. Well, and, and by the way, <laughs> I, will, no way. I will go to the cheaper, better burger. That's just There's no yeah. doubt in my mind I will pick what's best for my pocketbook in that circumstance. Yeah. I think a lot of people would. That's the problem. But uh, nonetheless, there, one other thing yeah. before we cut away to a break. You had mentioned the beginning of a trial against a guy out in Arapahoe County. You may mm-hmm. remember this during the the... I guess Elijah McClain, George Floyd, let's illegally shut down I-225 because we really need to do that to get our point across. Um, There was a Jeep that got onto the highway, and these two guys, it depends on how you're going to look at this. These two guys were either trying to get the hell out of there because they were afraid for their lives as people winged guitars, bags, attacked the Jeep, or uh, they were looking – they were the worst attempted murderers in the world because even though they could have turned to the left or the right at any moment and run over multiple people, they avoided every single human being. Nonetheless, there's a guy that showed up to that protest with a gun 
a revolver, a big one, fired off. And my God, who brings a revolver to a peace rally yeah. and fired off six rounds, hits the Jeep, hits two of the other protesters? That trial started yesterday. Um, there's a, the prosecutor who gave the opening statement is the number two guy in the office. That's the assistant district attorney. His name is Tom Burns. Just by way of background, Tom is not only a wonderful prosecutor, an incredible human being. He's a commander in the Navy. I met him on active duty when he was younger. Still didn't have a lot more hair, but he was younger. I was too, and I trained him on some trial advocacy stuff. He then worked for me in uh, the law firm that uh, I started in Denver back in, geez, 2009. And uh, and then I hired him as soon as I could when I got elected to BDA. This guy is fantastic. He has a tremendous family. At one point, I had four kids. He had three. And then there was one day in the parking lot where he'd come back from a little paternity leave. And I said, hey, Tom, when are you guys going to start working on number five? And he uh, laughed and said that that was number five. They now have six. And I'm like, Tom, at this I'm point, sorry. Thoughts and prayers. at this point, it's becoming reckless, my friend. I'm like, do you want me to get you a book? There are videos. I could, I mean, he has like, his own basketball team. He, six and get this, his wife, who, Darcy, who is just brilliant and, and maybe the most patient, wonderful woman on the planet, homeschools every one of them. What? Every single one of them. I think he's got a boy getting ready to head out the door to college or something. And he's got a relative infant. I mean. Anyway, tremendous dude, tremendous family man, and uh, I saw that in the paper he gave the opening statement yesterday. And nice. without, go- we'll talk about this case when it's over, regardless yeah. of how it turns out. But Good. just a hell of a guy, great guy. And before we run off to break, a uh, final. We're going to end this on a nice note today. Good. In Venice, hotels are starting to give tourists water pistols. Why? What? To ward off swooping seagulls. The seagulls have become a menace in recent years, swooping down for sandwiches, pizza bites, taking anything they can off of tourist plates. So the director of the historic Gritty Hotel right near the Grand Canal has started handing out bright orange water pistols to guests. And he says not only are they enjoying it, the birds hate it, and it's working really well. And especially because they're bright orange, the birds are immediately recognizing the color and now starting to stay away from the guests at his hotel and attacking everybody else. So, nice job. What the? In Texas, it would yeah. be shotguns. Yeah, exactly. There'd be no yep. reason to screw around with water <laughs> yeah. pistols. It would just, just be pull. I, I just love the idea that you check in. Yes, hello, Mr. and Mrs. Brockler. Please enjoy your stay. <laughs> You're in room 321. Here are your water pistols. Yeah, I, I just would. Love uh, I'd hand it back. <laughs> say fantastic. I'm anti-gun. I'm just going to choke them out. I'm going to do it right there. I'll yeah. put them in the sleeper you're, hold. Yeah, you're going to do it. you got a personal thing with these birds. <laughs> That's just uh, you're going to show them who's boss. Uh, yeah. Listen, that's all I got. I, I know we just talked about it before we came in. NBC, NBC posted an op-ed by a professor likening Leah Thomas, the now Division One champion trans woman swimmer, to Jackie Robinson. We'll talk a little bit more about that and some other things coming up in the 7 o'clock. We've got Ted Trimpa. This guy just knows stuff about the Democrats and politics in general. Uh, like him, a uh, friend, and, and I trust this guy. He just knows stuff. Also, fantastic husband, too, um, who's not a lib, super conservative, uh, also a great guy. I'd love to get him on the show as well. Maybe the two of them together. They're their own damn radio show, honestly. If you could get those two, to, I've just probably talked my way out of this job. And uh, and then in the 8 o'clock hour, Laura Carno, superstar with uh, Faster, an organization that trains uh, educators on self-defense, firearms, a whole bunch of stuff like that. She'll come on and talk to us about things in the news as well as what she's doing. And then in the 9 o'clock hour, Mike Peterson, president of the Douglas County School Board, to talk about the selection of Erica Kane as the new school superintendent. They wrapped up that meeting last night, my man, at like 2 a.m. 
maybe it's this morning at 2 a.m. Until that time, though, you're listening to George Brockler filling in for the great Peter Boyles. This right here, 710 KNUS. We can start with a little bit of Stevie here. George Brockler filling in for the great Peter Boyles at 710 KNUS. We've got some calls. I, I want to jump into this uh, this op-ed thing posted by, I'm going to tease you a little bit more, uh, on the issue of Leah Thomas, transgender swimmer, Division One champion now in the 500 meter. Um, this professor's name, just to tease you, and again, it's probably one of those things she had to grow up with. She's probably a good fighter. It's a Cheryl, and the last name C-O-O-K-Y. You ain't got no alibi, you kooky. Hey, hey, you Kooky, I've asked Billy to see if he can get her on air. I'm sure she's had a billion requests. But we have some callers on the line at 303-696-1971. I like that the best. I love chatting with you. Let's go to Joan. Joan, you're on 710. What do you think? Well, um, over two years ago, um, we got some tickets to go see Hamilton. I've heard of it. And it's taken this long to get it all straightened out. And my mother is the one who purchased the tickets and... So she wanted to go downtown, and we used to go downtown and go to the theater, and afterwards we'd go to the Cheesecake Factory, and you know we'd, we'd, we'd have a meal or something. And so my mother's like, well, we can do this. And I'm like, no, we can't. I am not going down um, the 16th Street Mall. You have no idea. I'm not doing it. So we are um, eating here in the suburbs, and then we're going down to the um, plate. When are you going to that? Um, this coming weekend. Have you been to it before or seen it online, anything like that? You know, this is the interesting thing. My mother is very much into theater. And last weekend, my husband and I went to see 1776 here at the Lakewood. Um, oh, how was that? I didn't know that was local. Oh, how was it? My God, it was so great. And it was really wonderful and timely and um where did you see it in lakewood uh, um at the lakewood center for the performing arts over there next to where the um the government works was it surrounded by or swamped by homeless drug addicts all that stuff no because right across from it is the police station oh what so a police presence makes it that's so crazy i wonder if denver's listening to this right now um (laughs) That, I also got a text from someone who said, hey, the, the Pace Center down in Parker, which is very close to my house, that too, I don't think I've ever seen a homeless person within five miles of that building. Um, so I, I don't know. There's something to, to, to say about these different towns outskirts of Denver that are putting these productions on. But the Hamilton piece, forgive me, had you seen it before, your mom seen it before? It is a tremendous thing. Um, no, um, I have not seen it. I have, I've heard the music. And um, I think my mother, you know, she's... Um, I'm not going to say how old she is because she'd shoot me. But um, uh, <laughs> so she's armed. <laughs> <laughs> I get it. <laughs> yeah, obviously she's no. thinking about going to Denver. No, no, actually she's not. Um, they're very not that way. Yeah. Um, they're pr- my mother's pretty um, liberal, and it kind of sometimes is a problem. Um, <laughs> well, don't I, you don't have to worry about being shot. No, I don't. <laughs> um, but uh, I do. I, I am looking forward to seeing this, and um, but I can highly recommend um, the seventeen seventy um, six production. And um, I sat next to a woman and her husband who had come from Aurora to see it. Oh, all the way across town! Wow. And they hadn't seen it before, and they were 
legal immigrants from Canada. Oh, how cool is that, eh? It, it was really cool because you were sitting here going, I don't know who else was in this audience, but I do know that there were at least four of us that were very appreciative of America. Oh, my guess is all the people. If you're going to see 1776, you're not going there to be uh, irked or pissed off. I mean, my guess is you're probably a fan of the country that you're in. I do think it's fascinating, though, that your super liberal mom uh, does does want to walk from uh, the Cheesecake Factory to DCPA. That's what, about a 10, 12-minute walk at best, you know, if you're coming from the 16th Street Mall down there? And, yeah. uh, and you're, you're the voice of reason saying, hang on, have you made that walk at night before? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, some, and, and this is, this is something a lot of people don't get. They say, why are these people voting for Biden? Why are these people doing this? And I'm like, because these people are living 30 years ago. Yeah, that's interesting to me. Does your mom live in Denver? Does she live out uh, in the suburbs somewhere? She lives here in Lakewood with me. Whereabouts in I mean, Lakewood? Not, I don't need your I don't need your address. Whereabouts in Lakewood? Because I grew up there. So, um, my my family's home is in Applewood Knowles. Oh yeah, yeah. And yeah, Applewood's beautiful. And, That's those uh, older houses, giant trees, giant yards. Cannot get stuff like that for under jillions of dollars these days. That's a beautiful area. Well, I like the fact that it's a ranch because tons of ranches. Um, she's there they're still there and and they'll be there and yeah mobility is a big deal yeah hey uh, Joan, I, I can't thank you enough by the way i love that you listen and that you call in it's good to talk with you again thank you for sharing this if your mom hasn't seen hamilton yet she will enjoy it uh, jones line is open terrific call uh, 303-696-1971 because i blew up our first segment all the way to like 35 minutes which our unofficial official historian alexa says is a new record for the morning show uh, fantastic. Uh, we've got to cut away for a quick break. We'll come back. We'll have a few more minutes. And then I think in the 7 o'clock hour, we'll get to Ted Trimpa. But we'll get to more of your calls before that. Give us a call. Until that time, George Brockler filling in for the great Peter Boyles here on 710 KNUS. Love me some wings and Paul McCartney here at 710 KNUS. George Brockler filling in for the Godfather, Peter Boyles. Uh, just a reminder, Peter's big send-off April 1st at the View House in Centennial off of I-25. You can I, Google can find it, Waze, Apple, if you have to use Apple, uh, that works. And by the way, I'm an Apple phone user. I just do not like their map at all. Their innate map is just not great. That's another segment. Um, that will be from 5 a.m. until 10 a.m. That is five hours in a row of an opportunity to listen to, reminisce with, say goodbye to Pete. There's going to be tickets on sale. Uh, Billy, I don't think they're online yet. Is that fair? Yeah, they're not online yet. But as soon as they are, of course, we'll be pushing this out to you. Uh, get your calendar set, by the way, for April Fool's Day. I, I, as far as I know, I promise you that I don't know anything other than this thing is totally legit. I kind of secretly hope Pete comes in and says, surprise, I've just Tom Brady'd you all. But I got to be honest, looking at the guy in the eyes, listening to him talk, I, I don't get that sense at all. So April 1st, big, big day for not just this station and probably not just this show or even Pete, but really for the entire talk radio uh, thing in, in the metro area, if not the state, a big, big deal. So st make sure you uh, set that on your calendar. That is a week from Oh, sweet goodness here. A week from Friday already? Good Lord. Uh, until that time, though, you're stuck with me. And that's either a good or a bad thing, depending upon what you think of 
me. I've already had some texts saying we'd love to get the T-shirt, the uh, when in doubt, give a tug. That is from Billy's uh, Thorpe Report, the K-N-E-W-Z that's not fit to print. Uh, We've got a bunch of phone callers on the line here, and I want to get to them before we have to cut away, but we're running quickly, quickly out of time. Frank, you're on 710 KNUS. What do you got? Hey, good morning, George. I uh, love your show. Hey, thank I you. I hope you do it long term. Um, I appreciate that. Definite. Please send an email. Definite. <laughs> Who do I send it to? Yeah, you can uh, send it here to the station to anyone and just say. Okay. Yeah, and and Billy says, and send edible arrangements. Uh, just you ah. could put on there, Brian. Brian's the decision yeah. maker. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I hope you stay. I really. Uh, I enjoy you, and I enjoy Sangenberger both. Uh, yeah, thank you. I, I love your show. Jimmy's very... such a terrific talent, man. I just wish I yeah. had half of whatever that nuclear reactor inside of him is. That dude is like the Energizer bunny. Oh. Well, from my perspective, you do. So it's a great show. No, thank you. Um, so the uh, my daughter lives downtown by Union Station. Uh-oh. Uh, she's been there. She's in a six-month uh, apartment contract. It's two months into it. Um, it's, it looks from appearances, look, looks like it's fairly secure, but, uh, the homeless have been, uh, somehow getting into the, the garage, even though it's got, you know, secure doors and, and, uh, gates and all that garbage. Um, the police came in, gave a briefing last week, said, you know, be careful. Thank you very much. And, um, my question for you is, does she have any legal recourse to get out of there because of security reasons? I think it would really depend on her lease. Um, if the if the place is uninhabitable or you can't live there because of some condition uh, that that exists after she came to the to rent it, you know what I mean? Like you can't show up to a place that already has dilapidated stuff and say, "Hey, I want to live here," and then claim, "You know, the stuff is dilapidated." But if this is a changing thing, it's a worsening thing. I think she needs to take a look at the lease. There's probably a law around this. I want to tell you that I know all of the landlord tenant laws that are out there, but I'd be lying to you. Um, and it's a lot like when you're an attorney, uh, it's a lot like being a doctor. I imagine, you know, you've got a, a cousin who's a podiatrist. It doesn't matter if you see that cousin, you go, I've got this thing in my elbow. Can you touch that? What do you, you know what I mean? Like you become the master of all things legal slash medical. Um, I think there's a way out. I just don't know what it is, but it is super scary that you now have law enforcement showing up to say, here's some extra steps you can take to keep from being a victim in and around the place where you live. I mean, that's just nuts. Now, is there a is there like a renters union or something to that effect? Or I don't think there's a renters union. I, my guess is if she were to Google it, Colorado or Denver or something like that, there's probably a ton of attorneys out there. The thing I don't know is how many of them will do any sort of preliminary advice for nothing. Uh, my guess right. is she asked the question you asked, and they say, "Hey, come on in, sit down, bring the lease, we'll have a conversation." And then it turns into, "I'll answer any question you have for you know fifty bucks or a hundred bucks or something like that." I don't yeah. know. Um, yeah, but, there's no serious money in it for an attorney, that's for sure. Yeah, that well, unless it was going to be some sort of a class action thing. Um, but I, again, if you're the landlord, what else can you do? I suppose you can hire more security, but that would probably engender an increase in the rents and all that. Um, yeah. Really, this well, is a, they're doing all this stuff, you know. Yeah, the, do but doesn't it feel stuff, like this? This unquote. is this is what government exists for, right? Like. I don't need government to tell me when to wear a mask. What I need government to do is to keep me safe from other people, right? And, yeah. to, and to protect the country. And that, this is this is not a dump. This is a an expensive place. I mean, she's paying serious money to live there. Well, if so she I hasn't gone to the landlord already, along with the other people in her building, to say, what are you doing about this? Then that's probably the very first step, right? Yeah. Have yeah, you... 
Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.